This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. As always, I want to thank Rabbi Shabtai for affording me the opportunity to learn together with you. Uh, this week's Parshas, Parshas Achrimos and Kedoshim. And I actually, I'm, I'm surprised, I'm a little disappointed in myself that I somehow never came across this Slanam Rebbe, this Nesiva Shalom, at the very, very beginning of Parshas Achremos. Page I and Hey, you should have the sources in front of you. Uh, a question that is the, uh, a pretty well-known question, a question that is not unique to the Slanam Rebbe, uh, but a question that certainly needs to be asked. But the answer the Slanam Rebbe gives is unbelievable, is so fantastic, so creative, and really highlights, I think, something that we need to be constantly mindful of in our Avodah Hashem. We know that at the beginning of this week's Parsha, the Torah recounts an episode that took place in Parsha's Shmini. And the, the Torah says, That uh, Moshe speaks to uh, Aaron and his two sons after Aaron, or Hashem speaks to Moshe rather, uh, after uh, Aaron's two sons, Nun Davidu, died. Go speak to your brother. And give him all the instructions so in order to ensure they're not going to die. Um, and uh, the, the, the Mepharshim all discuss, refer back to that episode and try to understand what exactly Nadav and Avihu had done wrong. So the Medrash points out, So one opinion in the Medrash that is famously quoted is Nadav and Avihu, uh, Paskin Shilohs made halachic decisions while they're in front of their Rebbe Moshe Rabbeinu. And we know that when you Paskin a Shiloh in front of your Rebbe, you're Chayim Misa. Another thing that's brought down in the Vayikra Rabbi is, O Nasu Nashim, Banim. Or the uh, women, they did not marry. They didn't marry. They didn't marry. What connection does it have to the reason why they were killed. Why were they really killed? So the Slana Rebbe is bothered by, and this question is not only his question, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky Zatzal asks the same question, the Torah offered a very clear reason why Nadav and Avihu were killed. They brought an Eish Zara, a foreign fire, to the Mizbeach. And yet the Medrash gives all these other reasons. They passed in Shiloh's in front of their Rebbe. They went ahead and they didn't marry. We know their Shtuyayayin, they drank. They became somewhat, even a little bit inebriated when they walked into the Beis HaMikdash. Why is the Medrash, why do Chazal feel compelled to offer these other reasons when the Torah itself privies us to the reason? They brought an Eish Zara. They simply did not observe the mandate, the imperative, the commandments that Hashem had put forth. You don't need another reason. And so therefore, A, why did the Torah, why does the Medrash offer reasons that the Torah itself didn't feel the need to offer, number one? And what connection do these reasons have to the simple reading of the Torah? The Torah says that they brought something, an Eish Zara, they brought a foreign fire. Okay, so you want to give maybe another reason, reading between the lines of some other area they also didn't follow in concert with what they were instructed to do? Okay, I understand there's a connection there. But the answers, the suggestions that Chazal pro- provide for us 
have absolutely no connection. There's no precedent. There's nothing to root to find a, uh, an, or identify anything in the Torah that connects to it. So what's what's going on over here? I'll, I'll tell you parenthetically that Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky's Atzal gives a different uh, one answer. I'm going to share that answer briefly with you before I share the Slon and Rebbe. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says, and actually for those of us who are interested in understanding or how to learn Medrash, or the appropriate way to approach Medrash, I want to share with you an insight from Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky says that the truth is all of the explanations that the Medrash, that Chazal provide for us are true. Each and every one of them. Do you know why Chazal went ahead and gave each one of these examples? Is because ultimately what they were highlighting was one chisarom, was one character flaw in their midos, that was illustrated through all of these different examples. And what was that midah? That midah, that character trait was gaiva, was arrogance. They thought they could pass in a shayla in front of their Rebbe. They thought, who's going to marry us? Our uncle is the king. Our father is the Kohen Gadol. They felt comfortable, a little too comfortable, drinking a little bit of wine, walking into the Beis HaMikdash when somebody shouldn't feel comfortable. All of these different anecdotes, if you will, were there uh, by way of Chazal to illustrate that really the core issue that Nadav and Aviyu had was that unfortunately they had a little bit too much arrogance. They were a little too high on themselves. By the way, we also know that this was the only chait, the only sin that they ever committed. They were incredibly righteous people, which we're going to talk about a little bit more further in a moment. But Nadav and Aviyu unfortunately were stricken with a little bit of gaiva, with a little bit of arrogance. And each one of these reasons are there to illustrate this. And what that highlights and what I believe helps us understand a little bit about how to approach Medrash is that we don't necessarily need to always get bogged down by, was this medrash true? How, how factually based is this medrash? But certainly when you're dealing with medrash agada, and of course you all know the Rambam that says if you deny any medrash, you're a heretic. If you believe every medrash is true, you're a, a fool. How do you find where you get that balance? I believe Rabbi Yaakov is introducing us to. Because certainly when it comes to medrash agada, when it comes to the medrashim that incorporates stories, it's not so much whether the story itself is all factually true or not. It's that Chazal is using the stories and these anecdotes to illustrate and convey a point that we need to try to internalize. There's a parenthetical, get off the soapbox about how to understand Medrash. But that Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky explaining what it was that Nadav and Anviv had done wrong and why Chazal felt the need to provide all these other stories actually opened my eyes into a new way of seeing Medrash Agada in a way that I hadn't yet seen until that point many, many years ago. Okay, that's all parenthetical. That was just to whet your appetite. That was the force spice. That was the appetizer. Let's get to the entree, Rabbi Brand, and understand through the lens, through the Slonim Rebbe, something unbelievable as to how to approach this issue. So again, what's really gnawing at the Slonim Rebbe, Zuchus Yagin Aleinu, is why mention these other reasons when you have a reason that's explicit when those reasons have absolutely no connection to that which is explicitly written in the Torah, a foreign fire. So he says as follows. The Kliyakar tells us that the Kohen, the God, was only allowed to go to the Kodesh Kadashim. The strength emanates. His ability to do so really comes from the strength of the Jewish people. And when Klai Yisrael sins and they commit iniquities and transgressions, it creates a barrier between them and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That 
reality, that prevents, that precludes the Kohen Gadol from being allowed to enter into the Kodesh Kadashim, because again, after all, the ability for the Kohen Gadol to enter into the Kodesh Kadashim is predicated on the relationship that who he's representing has with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If it's good, then the Kohen Gadol can go ahead and go inside. If it's not so good, then he cannot. And that's what it means when it says in Sefer Shemos, B'nai Yisrael, that Aaron can approach Hashem from amongst Klal Yisrael. Shelo Aaron could not possibly have the ability to get close to Hashem through the Kodesh Kadashim unless he's amongst the Jewish people. It's coming from them. B'kocham, with their strength, but also U'b'schusam, and their merit. So when Klal Yisrael is removed from Hashem, when there's a barrier, when there's distance between Klal Yisrael and Hashem, so the Kohen Gadol is going to be prevented from entering into the Kodesh Kadashim. No matter how great the Kohen Gadol is, even Aaron Kohen still is going to need the Koach of Klal Yisrael. And therefore, Verlachi never understood this about why only on Yom Kippur was the Kohen Gadol allowed to enter into the Kodesh Kadashim. I always just thought, that's what's done. That's what the Torah says. The Nesiva Shlom opens our eyes to that reasoning as well. It's only on Yom Kippur. Every Jew is like one of the Malachim, the angels. And Baruch Hu forgives every Jew. And so therefore, Dafka specifically on Yom Kippur, it's the only day that we can guarantee that every Jew is being forgiven, so to speak, for his sins which would then allow the Kohen Gadol to enter into the Kodesh Kadoshim, because this is the only day a year that we can essentially guarantee that Klal Yisrael is clean of their iniquities, and so therefore will allow, as their representative, the Kohen Gadol to enter, and that gives him the wherewithal, the ability to enter into Kodesh Kadoshim. So we see from this, that the ability for the Kohen Gadol to enter to the Holy of Holies, he, is only when he has a strong Kesher and he represents sufficiently and accurately the Jewish people. But the Kohen Gadol on his own does not have the ability, as great as he is, as big of a Tamar Chacham as he is, as sanctified as he is, as holy as he is, the only way he can justify being allowed to go into the Kodesh Kadashim is only Mikoach Shal Yisrael, is only Misoch B'nai Yisrael, which is why the only day we can guarantee that the Jewish people are clean of their transgressions, their Averos, which therefore allow the Kohen Gadol to properly represent them, is Yom Kippur. So you got a little added bonus when you are learning Maseches Yuma now to understand why Dafka only on Yom Kippur can the Kohen Gadol answer, enter. What in the world does this have to do with uh, the question that we have asked, which is, why was it that uh, these other issues that uh, Nadav and Aviv presented, why was that being offered in the Medrash as opposed to just relying simply on Asher Lotziva Hashem Eish Zara? So he says, based on this, listen to what I'm about to say. Now we can understand why Chazal mentions these other uh, transgressions of uh, paskening a shayla, a halachic decision in front of one's rebbe, not getting married. Why Chazal mentioned this? What was the connection? 
We know that the Pasuk says that Hashem told Moshe that the Mishkan is going to be sanctified with those who are close to me. And Rashi quotes the Medrash, Moshe Aaron. Moshe said to Aaron, Aaron, Achi, my brother, I knew that the Mishkan was going to have to be sanctified by those who are close to him. The Ha'isi Sarah Moshe says to his brother Aaron, I thought, Obi, Obacha, I thought either it was going to be me or it was going to be you. That was my natural expectation. Now that Nadav and Avihu had died, Al Kiddush Hashem, to teach this lesson about how to conduct oneself in the base of Migdash, I now know, Shame Gedolim at Mimeni Umimcha. We know now, Umimeka, we know now that Nadav and Avihu were greater than you and I. Wow, that's an unbelievable medrash. I'll let you let that ruminate in the brain for a little bit, understanding that Moshe is willing to admit that nothing of an Avi were as incredible as they were. And says the Nesiva Shalom, based on this, we can now understand who none of an Avi were. You see, none of an Avi were there on such a high level. You see, none of an were so great that why would they think twice about paschating a child in front of Moshe Rabbeinu? They were greater than Moshe. Were so high, they were on such a high level, they simply did not feel connected to their constituents. They didn't even feel connected to the Manig, to the leader of the Jewish people. They were greater than them. Why did Nadav and Aviyu not get married? It wasn't necessarily like Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky says it was arrogant. They simply didn't feel connected to anybody in this world. They were on such a spiritually lofty level. They were like in their own little world. They were existing in a different plane, in a different environment than the rest of the world. There was simply no connection to Olam Hazeh. And so therefore, whether it was that they didn't delay or they weren't reluctant in Pasadena Shailah because to them... There in their world, they were holding in a different place. They didn't marry because who are they going to marry? There isn't anybody that's kind of in their world. So they were on a different level entirely. Turn the page. Therefore, they couldn't be Makusher. They couldn't develop a connection to those who they were representing. And with that, now we can understand what's going on. Since they were on such a high level, they couldn't connect to anyone. Not to Moshe. And not to Klai Yisrael. Here's the punchline, guys. Unbelievable. The Kohen Gadol's power is only going to be when you can represent Klai Yisrael. The minute you can't represent Klal Yisrael, whatever avoda you're going to do is going to be a foreign fire. Because the whole gestalt, the whole basis, the whole foundation of what a Kohen Gadol does is through the Hiskashris, the connection that he has to his people. Nadav and Avihu simply couldn't connect. They were on such a lofty level, they couldn't connect to the leader of the Jewish people, and they couldn't connect to anyone around them to even get married. They were so far away from the rest of the Jewish people, they simply couldn't connect. And by virtue of not being able to connect, whatever avodah they were going to perform wasn't going to be adequate. It wasn't going to be accurately representing the Jewish people. And so therefore, it's an ish zara. 
It's a foreign fire. When we do, when we serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the, with the wrong background, in the wrong context, it's going to simply be a foreign service. I thought this was unbelievable. To be able to understand and see what the Kohen Gadol's responsibility is and to be able to support that understanding that that's the reason, the only reason that the Kohen Gadol is permitted to go only on Yom Kippur is because that's the day and only that day in which Klai shows clean of all of their transgressions, which allows and permits the Kohen Gadol to enter into the Kodesh Kadashim. And therefore, by virtue of the fact that the Medrash introduces us to the type of people, the lofty level that Nadav and Avir were on, that they didn't think twice about Paskening Ashala because they were just literally holding in a different world. They didn't get married holding in a different world, but unfortunately the casualty of holding in that different world was they simply couldn't connect to their constituents. They would not be able to appropriately and sufficiently represent the Jewish people in the Kodesh Kadashim in the Beis HaMikdash. And so therefore, by not being able to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu and serve the people in the right way, the casualty, the consequence was that whatever they were going to do is an Eish Zara. Fascinating, fascinating, creative, powerful insight of the Slanam Rebbe, something I've never seen before, but I think also has uh, an important message for all of us, and that is as manhigim, as leaders, whether it's leaders of our families, leaders in our communities, leaders of Klal Yisrael, one of the things we need to be constantly be mindful and sensitive to is ensuring that we are in the trenches with our constituents. We need to be able to connect with so that we can represent them. And when the minute we lose touch with who we're representing, unfortunately, that's when you start to head down the wrong path. And so it's important that in whatever capacities we demonstrate and express that leadership, it's important that we are constantly mindful of maintaining that bond, that connection, and to be able to accurately, sufficiently, and, and responsibly represent our kehilos, our congregations, wherever they are, in the most appropriate ways. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day.